I want to pray over the word today. Uh, the word I'm going to dive into today is deliverance for the world or deliverance to the world. And of course, that sounds like a very exhaustive topic. Uh, we'll just scratch the surface, but uh, hopefully it will uh, stir up your hearts, your minds with things you already know, things you're familiar with, but it will uh, reinforce and galvanize what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today and kind of where we're at and where we're going. So, so Father, we just welcome you right now to take your word and to make your word alive in brand new ways to sharpen our minds and our understanding, to give us a new insight of the nuance of you, the, the facets of you, and, and uh, even especially uh, new facets of you that we will hear of today, look at today. We give you the praise for the increase of your kingdom, the increase of your government of peace. In Jesus' name, amen. I love Isaiah 9, uh, 6, and 7. I will often, you know, it's like a go-to for me, right? Uh, of the increase of his government, we will call him Wonderful Counselor, uh, Prince of Peace, Mighty God. And of the increase of his government of peace, there will be no end. Uh, if you've had money in the stock market, uh, even if you've had some losses, uh, maybe you've had growth. So of the increase of your money in the market, you know, and they will, you know, they'll give you kind of an overview of the increase of your money in the market. Uh, maybe you've had it in mutual funds. Maybe you've had it in uh, a particular, hopefully you have been uh, investing in many uh, areas of the market. So therefore, if one company fails or something goes bad, uh, because your portfolio is broad, you continue to see increase. So even though there can be things that look bad over time, over 10 years, over 20 years, over 50 years, maybe you continue to see increase in your portfolio. And, and this is kind of a far-sighted fact is uh, uh, when you go in and you set up your, your money management or your portfolio or your mutual fund with Vanguard or one of these companies, they'll ask you, uh, you know, what, what's the long-term reach on this? What's the long-term look on this? Are you looking, you know, 50 years down the road? are you looking for a uh, high risk uh, short term right you just you want to get some money out in a year or two or are, is this your retirement fund right uh, so can you can you would you prefer a little bit of a lesser risk a little bit of a lower risk still there's risk but in the end you're going to have increase right and so in that way, you take a little bit more of a long-term view. I believe as Christians, we're to have a long-term view. We're not to have a sprint view. We're to have a marathon view. We're to have a long-term view that the kingdom is increasing, that over time, God's kingdom and the kingdom of peace, the, kingdom, the government of Jesus, the increase of his government, uh, that it shall know no end. And so that way, when we see the enemy rise up, we see trouble, we see difficulty, we see problems. Uh, we see things that appear to be arguments and contradictions against our God. We don't freak out. We don't like change our doctrinal statement. We don't. We don't decide that Armageddon's happening tomorrow. We don't. Uh, no, we continue to stay steadfast, believing what Isaiah foretold, what Isaiah saw, and even Matthew 13, 31 through 33, these are go-tos for me, uh, that the kingdom is like a seed that is sown, like a mustard seed that is sown. It's a small seed, and, and, and yet when it is sown into the ground, it will increase, it will bring forth a tree that is great, wherein all the birds of the tree, or all the birds will come and nest. Lots of scriptures on the growth of the kingdom. And this is how we want to be encouraging you, is that you partner with God for the increase of the kingdom. And, and that's part of what I'm asking today and trying to uh, answer is, how do we partner with God right now for the increase of the kingdom? And what is, what's the end goal with our portfolio? Where's this going? What does God have in mind for the growth of the kingdom and our, our the portfolio? 
portfolio of kingdom advancement. And that's why I'm saying that this is essentially deliverance for or deliverance to the world. Uh, when we think about a macrocosm, when we think about on a macro level, we can think about, uh, and we're thinking about the earth today, about the world today, that's macro. Uh, micro would be you uh, and or maybe your family, right? So, but when we think about life on a macro scale, this is what the, world, this is what the word says in uh, Romans 8.20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. now this, this is interesting. That the, that w when we think about like on a microcosmic you uh, 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 level, when we think about individuals, when we think about each person, then we realize that we too have been bound up. We too have been uh, subjected to futility. Our lives have been subjected to futility. We've been sabotaged. We've been uh, overwhelmed and hurt and disappointed. We've been bruised and beat up. We've been battered. We've been given over to sin and corruption. And so when we think about us on a microcosm, us as a microcosm, then we, we can relate to some of this, but do we realize that all of creation has also been subjected to a similitude of a parallel to what we've been subjected to? That the creation itself, that the earth itself has been brought into a slavery to corruption, and yet it's yearning for freedom. You know what it's like to yearn for freedom? You know what it's like to desire freedom. You know what it's like to, to want, to, oh my goodness, I need to be free of this, this oppression. Uh, I'm groaning to be free. That's what the earth is doing right now. The earth is groaning to be free from oppression, and it wants to come into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We who walk in the glory of God, we who bask in the glory of God, we who enjoy the glory of God, the earth is desiring, the earth is yearning to come into the freedom that belongs to us, to be set free of sin and of the curse. So uh, we're, we're in this war, uh, we're, we're in this spiritual battle, and, and we'll often talk of that here. You know that uh, that's a flavor with me, uh, talking about deliverance and how to be free and, and coming into freedom. And I've experienced deliverance myself. Uh, many uh, in uh, our ministry, we've been able to lead them into freedom and lead them into deliverance. And God desires this not only for us individually, but God desires freedom for the entire globe. He desires freedom for every person. He desires freedom, a deliverance, as it were, for the earth. And the war, what's the war all about? That's, that's what I want to dive into a little bit. And how do we get into that freedom? Uh, the warfare, I believe, is about the glory of God and the goodness of God. When we think about the kingdom expanding and the kingdom growing and the kingdom encompassing the earth, it's a kingdom of glory and it's a kingdom of goodness. And that's what the warfare is all about. Father has promised to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory. The knowledge of his glory. What, what would that look like? It, it, would it look like, you know, is it, is it bright? Is it radiant? Is it magnificent? Is it, is it excellent? Is it superior? It's all of that. But he's told us we best know of glory by understanding his goodness. When Moses in Exodus 33, it's recorded that Moses said, show me your glory. Father, I want to see your glory. Just show me your glory. And Father said, I will, this is verse 19, I will cause my goodness to pass before you. These two words become synonymous in Scripture, glory and goodness. And we really understand or know of his glory when we know of his goodness. 
And this is what he said. He said in scripture several times, and this is what a growing kingdom looks like. This is what a washed planet looks like. This is what a redeemed planet looks like. This is what a a corrupted planet now redeemed and restored and, and, and the kingdom growing looks like. It looks like the goodness of God everywhere. People coming into understanding, walking in, receiving, reveling in the goodness of God. Listen to Numbers 14, 21. He says, truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of God. Now, again, I want you to, and this is interesting because, you know, right here, uh, this too involved the children of Israel and going into the promised land and Moses. So it's very synonymous with Exodus 33. But I want you to substitute that word glory with goodness, even as he spoke it to Moses in Exodus 33, 19. Truly, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the goodness of God, the goodness of the Lord. Listen to, uh, listen to uh, Isaiah 11:9. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The earth will be full of the, and, and there aren't any, by the way, there aren't any places where the waters don't cover the sea. He says that, and we might just, just consider this is what the growing kingdom looks like. The growing kingdom looks like an increase of the knowledge of his glory, the increase of the knowledge of his goodness, the increase of his goodness everywhere and the injuries of the knowledge of him everywhere. Look at Habakkuk 2, 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory. Habakkuk 2, 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. He says it again. He says it to Habakkuk. This, this is what, what a growing kingdom looks like. And it's not the knowledge of salvation only. We have to, uh, I want to expand our thinking a little bit. It's not the knowledge of salvation only. It's not, it's not the knowledge of uh, 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 the two-question test. It's not, and I, I kind of feel like sometimes that, that we've gone after the wrong thing or we go after the wrong thing, like we're trying to lead people to the Lord instead of display the knowledge of his goodness. We're, we're trying to uh, lead people into two-question tests. We're trying to lead people into eternal life. We're trying to lead people into... Uh, 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 forgiveness of sin, maybe, or or somehow uh, getting them to eternal life, uh, but they don't know maybe why they should even make that choice. They don't know about the knowledge of his goodness. Their own heart hasn't heard of his goodness. Maybe we ourselves have not amplified the goodness of our God. And so it's not just saving knowledge that he's going to fill the earth with. It's the knowledge of who he is. It's the knowledge. And listen to this. It's the knowledge. See, we're called out of darkness. And, and this is where I want to just give you some thought because generally I'm one who's going to promote uh, the idea of deliverance. Uh, uh, you know, I, I am, I am uh, right out there on the ragged edge of deliverance. I'm out there on the ragged edge of confronting demons and confronting devils and overcoming darkness. And, and we're going to pray over our community. We're going to pray over our nation. We're going to bind up mammon. We're going to bind up Jezebel. We're going to bind up pride. We're going to bind up this and bind up that and bind up the other thing. Uh, I'm right out there on the edge of that. I, I, I want to be out there leading uh, the troops on that. But what I want to show you today is that is not, uh, we have a two, uh, we have a 
uh, we have a two um, uh, uh, intertwined approach. Uh, let me say it that way, to warfare. There's an intertwined approach to deliverance to the world. There's an intertwined approach uh, to setting the world free. And that second cord that is to be brought together with deliverance, even our own personal deliverance, is the knowledge of the Lord. It's the knowledge of his truth. It's the knowledge of his word. It's the true knowledge of him. And that's what we're called to partner with him with, and that's what we're called to represent him with. We're called out of darkness. And I, I love this. When I, when I thought about this, we're called out of darkness. This is 1 Peter 2. We don't have the scripture to put it up, but it's 1 Peter 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 9. It says, we are called out of darkness into his glorious light. We are called out of darkness. And he calls us out and he says actually to proclaim the excellencies. If you're in your living room right now, I dare you to say proclaim. <laughs> if, you're, if you're in your car right now, I dare you to say proclaim. Wherever you're at, uh, you've got your device on right now, I, I dare you to say proclaim. See, this is 1 Peter 2, 9, that he's called us out of darkness into his glorious light that we would proclaim, that we would be proclaimers of his excellencies. This, this is crazy. That we, we are called, and this is part of our warfare. This is part of deliverance to the world. We are called to reveal who he is, that he is the best papa on the planet. I know it's Mother's Day, but uh, if it weren't for him, moms wouldn't even know how to mom. See, within him is mama and daddy. And we are, we are called to proclaim, to reveal, to demonstrate who he is, how good he is, what he does, what he does for us, what he does for humanity, how he does it. We are, we are called to reveal, to represent, to represent how he loves, how he builds, how he provides, how he protects, how he restores and how he loves to do it. This is us. This is us. We've been called out of darkness. We've been called out of a dark path, a dark way. We've been called out of lies and distortion. We've been called out of misrepresentation. We've been called out of uh, uh, things that were not true, and we've been called into the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the glory of God is revealed through us fully. We come into a place, we come into a, an ability to reveal him, who he is, what he does, how he loves, how he builds, how he provides as we understand him. And the Bible says, as we understand the true knowledge of him. Uh, not, every, not, not every atmosphere is declaring the true knowledge of him. Not every atmosphere is declaring the full knowledge of him. You know, growing up, we had churches that were full gospel churches. You remember that? How many of you went to a full gospel church? Well, the idea with that is that some, some were only declaring a partial gospel. Some were only declaring a portion of him. They weren't looking into the fullness of him. And so Paul and Peter, Paul prayed for the Ephesians. Peter writes to those that they would come to know the true knowledge of him. Listen, listen to Ephesians 1.15. For this reason, I too, this is starting at chapter 1, verse 15, Ephesians. He's writing to the Ephesus here. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Not in just the knowledge of salvation, not in just the knowledge of sins forgiven on your way to heaven. If you die today, when you walk out of church, walk out of Walmart, 
car hits you, boom, you're dead. You're going you're, you're gonna to make it through the pearly gates. You'll be with St. Peter. Everything's going to be fine. No, 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 no. There's so much more because we are living in this life. We're living in this world. We are here and meant to demonstrate his goodness, meant to reveal his goodness in every sphere of society, in every way of doing. He has answers for every single thing, answers in psychology, answers in economy, answers in media, answers in government. He has answers in every single aspect of life, and he wants to reveal his goodness in every aspect of life, and he wants us to be those who reflect, those who represent the goodness of God in every aspect of life. So Paul prays, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Listen to Peter as he writes in 2 Peter chapter 1. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. In what? Not in the knowledge of salvation. Not in the knowledge of eternal life. Not in the knowledge of that two-question prayer that you prayed with the full gospel team there at the fairgrounds. Grace and peace is going to be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. In the knowledge of God. The fullness of the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. He's called us, he's called us by his, and we're going to take the word glory there, and again, we're going to substitute the word goodness. We're going to substitute the word goodness. He's called us to goodness. He's called us by goodness. He's called us and ordained goodness. He called us that we would bask and abide in goodness, and that that goodness would pertain, it does pertain to all of life and godliness. And it's multiplied. Grace and peace is multiplied to us in the true knowledge of God. This is our redemptive work. We're actually ministering deliverance to the planet. We're actually called to set the planet free. We are actually called. Yeah, we minister deliverance one to another. We minister deliverance uh, to, on one-on-one levels. But we have to realize that as we minister deliverance, as we're sharing, as we're involved in the goodness of God, as we are making known the goodness of God, we're actually ministering deliverance to the planet. We're actually ministering deliverance to the earth. We're actually ministering deliverance to cultures and the cultural ways of living, doing, and conducting business. This is our redemptive work. We are to showcase the goodness of who God is, showcase the goodness of what he does and how he does it. And in this way, we're partnering with him to overcome the enemy. How are we going to overcome the enemy? We can yell at Beelzebub. We can scream at Jezebel. Uh, we, can, we can have prayer meetings and we can fast and pray. But we have to partner with everything we're doing spiritually, everything you're called to do spiritually, every revelation that you come into and the freedom you come into, the knowledge, the understanding you come into in the redemptive work of Jesus. Come in now as a son or a daughter of God. Abiding in righteousness, coming to know the truth, beginning to understand who he is, letting the rhema of the spirit wash over you and wash out of you the wrong thinking about him. We have to allow now that partnership to be a double-edged sword. There, there is a second part. It's not just deliverance. It is truth. We have to enter back in to the realm of truth. We have to enter back in where we've retreated, where we've fallen away, where we've backed away, where we've, where we've said, uh, I'm just going to let it go. Uh, it's not for me to be involved. I, I don't need to voice my opinion. I, I'm not going to write that ed- editorial note. I, I just, I, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm just going to leave it to God. Well, God is sovereign. Well, he's just going to work this out and it's all up to him. It's not up to me. I, I can't do a thing about it. No, 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 no. 
No, 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 no. You that have come to know the goodness of God, you've actually come to know the glory of God. And he, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, but verse 19 especially, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, he has called you an ambassador of reconciliation. He is making his appeal to mankind known through you and through me. And we are the ones, we are the emissaries, we are the uh, epistles, we are the billboards of the goodness of God. We're the billboards of the goodness of God. We partner with him. He partners with us in this twofold, this, this twin, this twin approach, this, this double approach, intertwined approach that is not just deliverance. It's not just confronting the demonic realm. It's speaking the truth, the true knowledge of God. It's making known his goodness. It's filling our mouth with the testimony of the goodness of God, the goodness of God who he is, what he's like, how he conducts himself. This is critical. This is crucial to reforming culture. This is crucial to the government of his peace increasing. We, we, we want to see the government of his peace increasing. Oh, we have a partnership with him. And it involves opening our mouth. It involves sharing of the goodness of God. Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. <clears throat> I want you to go over there with me. We can look this at this together on the screens, or you can look at it and pull it up. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. We know this as a warfare passage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've preached this as a warfare passage so many times. But I want you to see it in a different light today. I want you to see it as a truth passage. I want you to see it today as an argument passage. I want you to see it today as a testimony passage. Look, look what he says. I'm going to pick it up at verse 3. I'm not going to pick it up at verse uh, 2, but I'm going to pick it up at verse 3. For though we live in the world, this is the New International, and then I'm going to jump over to the New American Standard. Verse 3, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. By, by, by the way, let's stop there. Let, let's talk about this. Uh, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus brings up the topic of a stronghold. And he says that you can't topple a stronghold unless you first bind up the strong man. But then he goes on to talk about the generation that he's ministering to. And they're saying that, that he has a spirit of Beelzebub or a spirit of the demonic realm. And that's how he's dismissing demons is because he's of demons. And then he says, no, 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 no. A house divided can't stand. And then he says, either you're for me or you're against me. But then he goes on to talk about deliverance. And he talks about the demolishing of strongholds. And then he said, when a spirit goes out, when a spirit goes out from a man, he says that spirit goes into arid places, waterless places. It goes out. And then after it leaves the man, it says to itself, I'm going to go back and check that house out. And I'm going to look and see if, in fact, that house has embraced something that would keep me from coming back in. And so it says the spirit comes back. And if the spirit observes that the house has been swept clean, but it's unoccupied, then it will reestablish residence in the house. And it may even bring up to seven more with it. And it says the end of that man will be worse than it was in the beginning. Then he finishes the passage by saying, so it will be with this generation. So we know something. He's talking about strongholds, but he's also talking about a house. And he's talking about demonic principle and understanding. And again, he shows this twofold approach that truth and deliverance go hand in hand. Or in other words, what you think is truth 
go hand in hand. That, that actually, that if the enemy comes back and finds that truth, that a higher truth, that a higher way of thinking, that a new way of thinking, that a God way of thinking, that the knowledge of God has not filled the house, then there's access open for the demonic realm to come back in because that person is going to re lie again. They're going to rely again. They're going to look to, they're going to trust again in what they had been told or what they had come to know out of the demonic realm, the distortion of truth, the deception of truth, the wrong way of thinking about life, about who they are, about who God is, and about how to succeed, how to live a fulfilled life, how to be protected and to be provided for. So then he says, though, that not only is that principle true for the person, but the principle is true for a generation. It's true on a micro scale. It's true on a macro scale. It's true for cultures. It's true for tribes. It's true for nations. It's true for people groups. It's true for the spheres of influence in a culture, be it government, be it media, be it arts and entertainment, be it economy, whatever is, whatever is perceived, whatever is believed, whatever, this is how strongholds are formed. Strongholds are formed by distortions of truth and lies about our Father. And this is, this is how the enemy began in the very beginning. We find this is exactly what Satan did, the serpent did, in the garden was to come and to question the truth of God. To question that God was good. And so he introduces them to another tree. They weren't just acquainted now with the knowledge that God is good, that God is glorious, but he introduced them to the tree of evil, the tree of good and evil. From that moment on, they were open to another thought about God. Could it be that God is not good? Could it be that God's ways, God's behavior, God's reputation, God's credibility, what God desires of us, God's own nature, God's own word toward us is not actually good? And so he presents an argument. I want us to go back up on our screens to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. And I want you to look at this. We're talking about demolishing strongholds. We're not going to demolish the strongholds in culture, in the spheres of culture, in the tribes of the nations. We're not going to see God demolish all these strongholds by rebuke alone. We're going to see God demolish strongholds as we partner with him for the true knowledge of who he is, the true knowledge of his nature. Look at what it says, verse 5. We demolish arguments. The weapons we have are divinely powerful to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What's happening with the demonic realm? What's happening in culture right now? What's happening all around us? What's happening with the unbelieving? What's happening with those that are deceived or those that are rebellious or those that are resisting the goodness of God or the leading of the Lord? They've, they've come to believe a lie. And essentially, we have, we have an environment of argument. We have an environment of thought. We have an environment where... Where, where the, the word of the enemy, and the Bible even talks about this. Daniel talks about it. Uh, John talked about it in the Revelation that the enemy was given a mouth. That he would, with his mouth, wage war against the saints. Well, he's not just rebuking us. The enemy is not just rebuking us. The enemy is bringing the truth about God, how he loves, 
what he has in mind, who he is, who we are, what he says about us, how he would have us to live, the blessing on what he calls us to in him as sons and daughters, the enemy is bringing that into derision. The enemy is bringing that into disrepute. The enemy is releasing out of his mouth an argument of warfare that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That's what the enemy is doing. And Paul's telling us, he's saying, this is, this is part of our warfare. This is how we win. We don't win with guns and tanks. We, we don't win the long, your portfolio, the increase of the kingdom portfolio is not going to be won with flesh and blood or the tactics of flesh and blood or human warfare the way kingdoms are toppled, the way cultures are won, the way darkness is overcome, the way mountains or spheres of influence are turned around is that we present the knowledge of God. We enter into the sphere, the arena. We have to come in to the arena. Watched a lot of boxing when I was growing up. My dad loved boxing. Wow. We watched a lot of boxing, watched a lot of snot flying, watched a lot of guys getting the pulp beat out of them. Boy, dad loved that. He got us boxing gloves and we were learning how to box and we would, we'd have boxing matches out in the yard. All of our buddies, dad would love it if we'd beat them up. We had our boxing gloves. But you know what? You had to get in the ring. God's calling us into the ring of argument. He's calling us into the ring of truth. He's calling us into the ring of bragging about the goodness of God. He says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. The New American Standard says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, I know that we've thought about that as a personal deliverance, a micro scale application. It's a personal deliverance. And yes, it works for you. This actually helps you. It helps me. If we will take captive the arguments and the imaginations and the pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God, yes, it's good for me personally, but Paul is saying this is also how we step into the ring of cultural transformation and how we partner with the rebuke, we partner with deliverance, we partner with spiritual confrontation by bringing application of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, not just in rebuke, but in the true knowledge of who he is. In the true knowledge of who he is. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Love this, love this, love this. This relates to Jeremiah chapter 1 too. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 as well. Uh, one of my favorite passages. And I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to wind this up. I'm trying to get us to a destination. Uh, but Jeremiah chapter 1 as well. He's told to pluck up and to overthrow evil. What is the, what's the embodiment of evil? The embodiment of evil is essentially lies about God. In Numbers 13, 33, God says, in Numbers 13, uh, 33, and that whole passage, God says that the 10 spies believed an evil report. Well, what was the evil report that they believed? This is why Israel couldn't go in. They couldn't go into the promised land. So they had to wait an extra 38 years to go into the promised land because 10 of the tribes, they, they believed an evil report. What was the evil report? The evil report was a report that contradict, contradicted what God had said. It contradicted what God intended, what God planned, what God desired. It contradicted God's nature and the truthful credibility of his nature when he made a promise to them that he would overtake and overcome their enemies, that if they would go in, that if they would just trust him and go in, that he would conquer the giants for them. They believed an evil report. Jeremiah chapter 1, he's told to pluck up and to overthrow evil. The lies in culture. The evil loosed in culture. And then he was told to build and to plant. And he was told to do all of it with his mouth. 
Wow. He was told to do all of it with his mouth. Did you know that we've entered into the decade of 5780? Now, we know that we've entered into a brand new decade uh, in the Gregorian calendar, the Roman Gregorian calendar. And so, you know, we've been saying that this is 2020 and we're going to see with perfect vision and we're going to go in and understand and see. And that's the Gregorian calendar, the Gregorian understanding or insight regarding the season that we've moved into. But in the Hebrew calendar... We can understand even more about the times and the seasons of God's people. And in the Hebrew calendar, the season or the decade that we've moved into that corresponds with the Gregorian calendar is actually known as the decade of pay. 5780 is symbolized, and this is the cool thing about Hebrew scripture, 5780 this decade that we've moved into is actually understood by symbols, by pictures that in the Hebrew alphabet and in the Hebrew uh, 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 understanding, the, the mouth is the symbol for the decade that we've moved into. And Pastor Joel, you've heard her preach in the last few weeks. She can't get it off of her heart. She didn't even know this. She hasn't been studying this. She hasn't spent a lot of time on 5780, the Hebrew calendar, the the decade that we've moved into. But she can't get it off of her mind that we're to open our mouth. We're to open our mouth. This is the decade to open our mouth. And actually, it's interesting, but the decade that we just came out of in the Hebrew calendar is is signified or understood in the eye. The decade that we just came out of, 5770, that decade was actually understood as the eye that we were going to see. So it's the last decade in the Hebrew calendar that our eyes were going to be open. We were going to see who God is. We were going to see how he is. We were going to see what he does. We were going to see his goodness. We were going to see him raise us up. We were going to see the authority that he gives us. And now it's this decade in the Hebrew calendar that he calls us to open our mouth. This is what He's up to right now. And this corresponds with all that he's called us to. This corresponds with what he has in mind for us, that he's calling us to open our mouth. You know what I think this season is? This is a season to brag. Oh yeah, I was thinking about Revelation uh, chapter 12, and I'm going to begin to close here. I'm moving into my first closing right now. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night thrown down to the earth, thrown down to the earth. That's the context of Revelation 12. And they, and they of whom he was thrown down to, he's thrown down to the earth, he's cast out of heaven because Jesus, the supreme man, has triumphed over him. Jesus, the supreme man, appears in glory We see this picture in Daniel 2, Daniel 7. We see him coming up into glory, into the heavens. Verse 11, Romans, I mean, sorry, Revelation 12, verse 11. And they overcame him because because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Did you see that? Did you see that? We're, we're going to take the communion elements in a minute, and those communion elements commemorate what he's done for us. The sacrifice of his life on our behalf. The bearing up under the wrath that we deserved. The Bible says in John chapter 3 that we are no longer children of wrath or meant for wrath. 
That though we were condemned with Satan, condemned with darkness, condemned in darkness, we've been redeemed and set free. But look at Revelation 12. Again, go back to that. I want us to pull that back up. Revelation 12, verse 11. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. Because of the word of their testimony. This speaks to the P-E-Y, the pay, the decade, the Hebrew decade, the decade of the mouth. The decade of the mouth. This speaks to that. But but here's here's the context I want you to see. I, I think for too long, we've thought that that was a testimony of I'm saved. We, we have limited the washing of the water of the word in the corruption of the earth. We have limited the work. We have... We have harmed or hindered. We have, we have kept from God the fullness of the power of testimony because for years our understanding and all of my life growing up, our understanding about that verse right there, the word of their testimony is, is, is like this. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm saved. I gave my life to the Lord. Yeah, I had a really tough past, and, and, and uh, yeah, I committed a lot of sins, and I ran around and did a lot of bu- bu- bunch of bad stuff, and, and I, boy, I was on my way uh, to hell fast, and, and, and I was under condemnation, but, but I'm saved now. I, I gave my life to the Lord. I, 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 I yielded to Him. I, I committed my heart to Him. I allowed Him to wash me of sin. I, I received the blood of Jesus, the, the sacrifice, the atonement blood, the sacrifice of his own life is, is my salvation, and yeah, I'm saved. And, and that was the word of our testimony. That, that was the word of our testimony. But Satan's come down, chapter 12 of Revelation, Satan has come down with great wrath to deceive culture, to harm the tribes and the nations, to bring arguments against the true knowledge of God's glory. Satan has come down with great wrath. And the testimony that now we arm we arm ourselves with. We get into the ring now. We get into the ring. And there's a testimony. Love, can you bring me my communion because I forgot it? Can you help me with that? There's a testimony that we are to arm ourselves with now. And that's about the true knowledge of our God in every way. The true knowledge of our God in every way. This is the decade to brag about your marriage and how good it is to be in this marriage relationship like mine, 36 years with one woman. Brag about it. What if Facebook wasn't created for Mark Zuckerberg? Maybe Facebook was created for you, the believer. Not just a saving testimony. You don't just have a saving testimony. You have a provision testimony. You have a family testimony. You have a government testimony. You have an economy testimony. You have... <laughs> brag about the integrity of serving God in the workplace and brag about what it is to have integrity in the workplace. Brag about sowing and reaping, not karma. Brag about the reward of tithing. Brag about the blessing of obedience. Brag about being led by the Spirit and how good it is to be led by the Holy Spirit. Brag about the kindness of God in your life, the goodness of God in your life. Because every time you talk about His goodness, you're talking about His glory. Brag about the true protection that He gives you from sickness and disease and why you don't fear it. Brag about healing and how you were afflicted, but He raised you up. Brag about the blessing of honesty. Brag about the power of love and the fruit of the Spirit. Brag about patience. 
Oh, it's probably time that we stop saying that I don't have any mercy. Don't have any mercy. Don't have any love. Don't have any patience. It's time that we start bragging about the patience God's given you, the love God's given you, the gentleness and the meekness that God's given you, that it's of Him and that it's alive in you. He's taught you how to be meek. He's taught you how to be kind. He's taught you how to be loving. Brag about it. Brag about it. Brag about it. Brag about it. The world needs to know more than you know how to just rebuke a devil. The world needs to know of his goodness. Brag about the power of prayer and the grace of reconciliation on relationships. And I could go on and on. I could go on and on. And this is that decade. This is that season that we have an intertwined, double-edged sword of warfare against the enemy. Yes, yes, we know deliverance. Yes, we know the power of our authority. But we're not ashamed of our God. And we're going to make His glory, His goodness known. We're going to open our mouth wide. And we're going to declare the goodness of our God. Would you grab the uh, elements that you've prepared? If you've got elements right there, cracker, wafer, saltine, bread. Say this with me. Father, I'm so glad to know you. I'm so glad that you brought me in to your goodness through Jesus. I'm so glad to be acquainted with you. I'm so glad to be under the covering because of the sacrifice of Jesus. I welcome the application of his sacrifice in my own life. I bask in your kindness the grace that I have not deserved. I receive it today. Come on, take the bread together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Redeemed, 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 redeemed. Take the cup. Lord, we take this cup that is symbolic of you making a new covenant. You have made a new covenant with Father on our behalf. And we drink this cup. We drink this cup celebrating what you've done, receiving what you've done. You brought us into the family. You've made us one with Father. You've made us one with yourself through the sacrifice of your blood. We give you the praise for it. Lord, we ask you now to release your glory. Release the noise and the sound of your goodness through us, your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, let's worship together.